0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Currensville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Currensville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.currensvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. So let's turn in our Bibles right now to Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at God's word now, and we want to continue on in our study, so I just kind of remind you of what we're doing. We're we're looking at understanding our faith, so we kind of are making our progression through Romans, and we came to chapter 12, where in verse 1, he's saying to you, because of the mercy shown to us through salvation, you're to present yourself as a living sacrifice. So that's basically like give yourself to God daily, continually, okay? And then the next thing he says is, don't be conformed to the image of this world, verse 2, which is, is don't go along with how the world does things, which is easy. We kind of fall into that, don't we? We conform ourselves. But be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of our mind. And how do we renew our mind? By God's word. And so then right after that, he kind of goes through the rest of chapter 12 into 13 and he discusses various things about how we need to change. So first thing he talks about is, okay, you've been gifted. Use your gifts for the benefit of others in the church. Not for yourself, but for other people, okay? Not for the organization, okay? Not for the building, but for the people, all right? So then he went on and talked about you need to love each other, okay? we talked about the importance of loving each other, but then he wants to take it one step further. Love your enemies. Love other people who are outside of the church and love those who persecute you. And then last week we saw he told you how you're supposed to act with government. And that's a real hot topic today, right? And people got real emotional feelings about that. Well, he's talking about how, as believers, how you and I are supposed to react. Well, so we see he's moved from how you are with each other, loving each other, loving people outside in the world, loving your enemies, how you're supposed to respond to government. He's going to give you the bottom line today. And that's what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you the bottom line of what's most important. Because sometimes I think we get really distracted from what's really important. Although we know it, because I, when I tell you what it is, you're like, oh yeah, I know that. I know Jesus said that. He's, he's going to tell you, after going through all these different groups, how we're supposed to respond, he's going to tell you what your Christian life is supposed to be. And he's going to tell you what you should be doing. So why don't we look, okay? So we're going to start with verse 8 through verse 14. And here's what he says. Building on what he said in verse 7, where he talked about pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So he goes into verse 8. So here's where we're going to start. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment is summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this passage, going to divide it into two sections because he's going to talk about what true spirituality is, okay? This is what we need to be focusing on. This is the bottom line for your Christian life, true spirituality And then he's going to talk about what the bigger issue. Why do you and I need to be focused there? Because we've got to keep something else in mind. We've got to see a bigger picture. A bigger issue that's on the horizon. Which is supposed to motivate us to live as we should be living. Okay, so let's talk about true spirituality. Notice with me verse 8. Here's what he says. Oh, no man anything. I know some folks like to just focus on this verse and talk about living debt free. That's really not the issue here debt free okay that's great but that's not what he's focused on here because remember he's talked about loving other people in the church loving people outside of the church loving your enemies how you're supposed to be with government so here's what he says oh no man anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law so here's the first point i want to make to you loving others is the only obligation you have towards others it's the only obligation You and I have an obligation to love other people, bottom line. And when when I say that, I mean other people. Because it's real easy to love people who are like you. It's real people to love people who hold to the same values as you. It's real easy to love people who root for the same team as you, right? Let me go one step further. It's really easy to love people who vote like you. Do do you understand what I'm saying? But he's calling us to have an obligation to love everyone. Period. Show love to them. Now you say, you mean I need to have warm, fuzzy feelings? No, no. Love is more than just having warm, fuzzy feelings. And he's already explained that. He's already explained earlier about loving each other, using your gifts for each other, loving those outside so that we can live in harmony and live in peace with others, loving your enemies, blessing them. Then he talks about how you and I are supposed to live in a society that has a government. The fact is, loving others is the only obligation you have. That's the most important thing is that you live in such a way that you are sensitive to other people and that you love them, genuinely care for them. If you want to talk about it, love is a sense of genuinely caring for other people. Genuinely caring. Here's the second thing. When you do this, you are fulfilling God's love when you love others. I remember as a, as a young Christian, in my immaturity and being in that little bitty independent Baptist church, I had this assumption that the way to please God was to keep all the rules. Dressing a certain way, or having a certain Bible, and reading my Bible this many times a day, or praying this much, or, or going on visitation with the pastor, or uh, being at every church event. And, and George was at every church event, you know what I'm saying? If the doors were open at the church, I was there. These are my younger years as a Christian. And and I assume that those were the things that pleased God. Those were the things that he required of me. But, But I'll be honest with you, he didn't require any of that of me. But the one thing he does require, the one thing that fulfills his word, is that I love other people. That I genuinely am concerned and care for other people. Remember when Jesus was asked, by the Pharisees who were trying to trip him up what is the greatest commandment and he said well to love the lord god with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second is likewise that you love your neighbor as yourself and then he said on these two things all of the law hinges everything as far as what we do as far as right living and being the kind of people that we need to be hinges on you what loving your neighbor as yourself and not just loving God. Isn't that awesome? So what we see here is you, when you are genuinely caring for people, it's even people who are not like you. And I know that's a stretch, but he wants us to stretch that way. When you love other people, you're fulfilling God's law. You're doing what God wants us to do. Here's the next thing I want you to see. He points out in verse 9, look at what he says here. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in these words, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what I want you to see. Loving others is the basis for right actions. Okay, so I want you to think about it. So when you look at those commandments, you shall not murder. Murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. Now, everybody understand what covet is? That seems to be the one that I struggle with the most, especially if I see a truck that I like, and I'm like, yeah, I need that truck. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, the reality is, is we understand those, and we try to live our lives by, I don't do that, I don't do that. But what he's trying to say to you is, the basis for being able to not do any of those things And I would say anything, not just the ones he's listed here, the basis for removing yourself from sin is, he's saying here, is loving other people. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And think about that. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't commit adultery because you care for people around you. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal from somebody else. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're sure not going to kill them. Do you you understand? You're not going to covet what they have because you're placing them before yourself. He's saying here very clearly that loving others is the basis of right actions. And just to help you to understand what love is, he goes on and tells you in verse 10, and he says this, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What do I want you to see here? Love doesn't seek to harm others. Love doesn't seek to harm other people. Period. It doesn't want to do wrong to other people. It's not a loving thing to do wrong to others. And when you realize that, you're what? Fulfilling the law. So here's what he's saying. So think about it, okay? Because what he's expressing to us is so countercultural. Because right now, in our culture, in this world right now, the mentality that we have is if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is looking out for you. So you just have to focus on you and making sure you're okay. We're, we're so self absorbed and so self focused. But here's what he says to us. Remember, if you're giving yourself to the Lord, and I think as a believer we want to. We want to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. I'm yours. I want to have that relationship with you. And he says, okay, if if that's what you want, don't do what the rest of the world is. Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but you be transformed. You get changed. And how you get changed is start loving other people. Start genuinely caring for them. And how do you do that? Well, you use your gifts within a church. the first thing he talked about. You love others in the church. Not only that, you love people outside of the church. And the way we sometimes need to express love is being there for people, even if they don't believe what you believe. And ultimately praying for them. I think that's the greatest expression of love is, is to pray for them. How do I pray for them? whatever their needs are, but you also pray for their greatest need, is for Jesus. That they would come to know Christ. And then what? Pray for your, bless your enemies. Well, yeah, but they're trying to hurt me. Yeah, but they need Jesus. So bless them. How do I bless them? Pray for them. And then live peaceably with government. Yeah, is Has everybody been happy with the government? No. In fact, that's all humanity. I don't think since government's been instituted, anybody's ever been happy with government, no matter who the party is. Or in some instances, there is no party, it's just whoever's in charge. But he says, what? Live for me. And as you live for me, care for others, love others. And in doing that, you fulfill the law. You become who you need to be. Now he's going to tell us why. Why do I need to do that? Because there's a bigger issue. And I think sometimes this is what we forget. Because let's be honest, you know what? I'm just a normal person, so guess who I think about? Yes, I got a family, I have a wife, I have kids. And yes, I'm a pastor of a church, so I have people that I shepherd, I have friends, but I'll be honest with you, George is selfish. Because a lot of times what George is thinking about is George. Do you understand what I'm saying? What George wants, what George wants to do, what George thinks and feels and I think that's true for all of us, right? We, we'd like to say, oh, well, I'm not like that, George. I think about others. No, think about it. Do you really just only think about others? Or, or if you're like, you're, you're us. You're thinking about your feelings and your hurts and whatever. And, and what he wants us to do is he wants us to quit focusing on ourselves and get a bigger picture. Realize what the bigger issue is. And there is a bigger issue. And this is where believers need to camp. We need to, to rest in this thought that there is something bigger happening. And what does he tell us? Look with me, starting in verse 11. Here's what he says. Verse 11, he says this. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So here's, here's what I want you to see. You have to wake up to the greater reality. You need to get out of your slumber. Get out of dozing. You know, I, I used to take naps on Sunday, and, and I'm finding that I'm doing that again. Why? Because when I sit in my lazy boy red chair at home, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but George starts to doze. And when I start to doze, I become oblivious to anything else around me. I, I kind of lose track. Of, I, I, I start dozing in conversations, and, and, and I get the question, did you hear what I said? I go, oh, yeah, 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 but I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm dozing off. And, and it's kind of like that's where we're at in the church today. That's where we're at with a lot of Christians is that in, in our trying to live our everyday lives and being self-absorbed and focused, we're, we're losing track of the bigger picture. And he wants us to wake up. Wake up. There's something bigger happening here. In fact, you and I see that. But I know that we're sleeping. Why? Because, like, I hear people say things all the time. Boy, I look at all the stuff that's going on in the world. Jesus is coming back soon. Yes, he is. But they think it's like all of a sudden things got really different. Well, I'm telling you it's been that way since Jesus's time. What do you mean? Listen to me. Matthew 24, 6 to 8. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. A lot of people are alarmed these days. But don't be alarmed, he says. See that you're not alarmed. For this must take place. But notice what he says. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. Do you mean this is normal? Jesus is saying that. The end is not yet. Look at what he says. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. Here's what he says. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains. What are those, George? Well, I only know this because my wife carried four kids. Birth pains is the Braxton Hicks contractions. Wow, that's a big word. How did you know that? Because I had a wife who went through labor. What is that? It's the pre-birth contractions. And and, and what I understood when I wasn't falling asleep during the pre, well, what was that class we went to? Because I fell asleep. Lamaze class, okay? I fell asleep in Lamaze, guys. <laughs> Wow, George. <laughs> yeah, i pay for that one later. Okay, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I was awake for this part when it says it is the body preparing for the birth. And Jesus is saying the stuff that we get are getting all freaked out about, that was making us so self-absorbed, the time is not yet. These are the birth pangs. So wake up, there's a greater issue coming and and here's the point, this is a you say, well then how am I supposed to live? Well this is the next point he makes here. The reality of your salvation grows closer each day. Each day is bringing you one step closer to the reality of your salvation. Now what do you mean the reality of my salvation? I've already been saved. What is the reality of my salvation? No, no, no. You, You understand, salvation is a threefold process. When you first got saved, you were justified, you were declared righteous, you were forgiven of your sins, and you became a part of God's family. The second part of salvation is sanctification, where you become like Christ. And Paul says, work out your salvation. He talks about working out your salvation, where you become more like Christ in your everyday life. There is a final part, and that's glorification, When you go to be with Jesus and you get a whole new body, you're comfortable with your body? No, I'm not. Great, don't be, because later on you get a whole new body and you become perfection. You shut off this body of sin and you receive a new one. Peter describes it as shutting off a tent or a tabernacle. And you each day are getting one step closer to that, one step closer to Jesus coming back Or one step closer to, which is the reality for all of us, what? Death. When we go to see Jesus that way, right? So the bigger issue is, is wake up. You're moving closer. Moving closer. So with that width, you need to see, look at what, verse 10, 12 to 13. So here's what he's saying. He's trying to urge us here. So the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So he's talking about the reality of salvation is coming. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Here's what I want you to see. Choose to put away your sins and live the life that God wants for you. Put away your sins. And you know what they are. Your sins, we may share some of them. I don't know what we share. I don't want to know. But each of us have our own special stuff that we are entangled with. We need to put them away because the day's at hand. We don't know when that's going to happen. But we're living for him. And what? Start living for the Lord. Start living the life that he wants you to live. In fact, Hebrews makes that point. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's those who have gone on before us, who've lived the life of faith. That's what he's talking about. Chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. So let us lay aside the stuff that ensnares us. Brush it off. Shake it off. And what? And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, Paul's saying here the same thing the writer of Hebrews says get rid of your sin. Yeah, but I've been struggling with that for a long time. Yes, and the Lord will help you. Just keep plugging on. Lay it aside and live for who? Jesus, why? Because you got a bigger picture. you got a bigger picture because either one day you're going to die or one day he's going to come back, but you're going to be with Jesus. So keep that in mind. So then that brings up the final thing he says here. Look with me then at verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What's he saying here? Embrace your relationship with Christ and don't give in to your desires. Embrace it. Now that is so important. Why? Okay, so remember what I just said to you. We said this earlier in the passage. What should be our focus What is true spirituality that he is conveying here in this passage? It starts out in the beginning. Love other people, right? Love other people. Now, let's just be honest. How many of you would say that that's easy? How many of you would say, ah, that's not a problem, George. I got that one under control. I just love other people. Would everybody say that that's Pretty accurate for you? Or would you say, like me, that's impossible, George. Right now, I don't love this person. They plucked my last nerve. They said this. They did this. Or I don't like this group of people. Or I don't like this person or that person. I don't like the person who cut me off. I don't like the way that clerk treated me at Walmart. I don't like this or that. You, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and you would say with George, yeah, I'm, I'm there, George. I'm with you there. How many of you would say that? The rest of you are like either not listening today or your coffee hasn't kicked in or you are perfect in some way, okay? You're in between loving people and hating people, Okay? Well, here's the reality. How do I do that? How do I start genuinely caring for people? He's telling you how. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You embrace your relationship with him. Now, here's what happens when you really embrace your relationship with him. When I embrace, I'll give you an example of me. When I embrace my relationship with him, I, here's the one impression I used to have overwhelmingly. I'm a mess, Lord. Why do you have time for me? I mess up all the time, Lord. I have wrong thoughts. I have wrong attitudes. Why, why are you patient with me, Lord? Why do you love me? I, I don't understand that. See, when you embrace the relationship with Christ, you begin to realize who you are. And and see, that's a good thing, actually. It's a good thing for you to understand your shortcomings. It's a good thing for you and I to understand that we're a mess. Now, that should lead into the next point, which is when you embrace the relationship with Jesus you then hopefully begin to realize, and this is maturity, you begin to realize how much he loves you. How much he cares for you in spite of you. So much so that he saved you. And when you begin to realize that, God, you would save someone like me, You would reach down in in, in Columbia, South Carolina on an April Tuesday night in 1985 and and respond to me who's praying by my bed, Jesus Christ come into my life, I give my life to you. You would do that in spite of me? Here's what happens. When you begin to understand who you are and what he's done for you and the love that you have for you, it changes you. It changes you to the point that you begin to what? Care for other people. Even those who don't like you. Even those who are your enemies. Because you realize that they don't understand who? Jesus. And so you begin to love them and break your heart for them. See, this is what he's saying here. And see, embrace your relationship and then what? Don't give in to your desires. And what are your desires? Well, like I've already expressed them, being mad at somebody, being irritated, looking for somebody to be mad at. Don't give in to those desires and be the people that you need to be. Why? Because each day is drawing us closer. Till one day we see him. Whether he comes for us or we go to be with him. So live as the people he wants you to be. So what do we? how do we wrap this up, George? Well, here's how we wrap this up. You gotta look at your own life and first of all examine how are you with other people? Now, I'm not talking that all of a sudden you become a real lovey-dovey person, okay? I, I can't do that, you, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that I, I'm not from a family that does that. I, I'm not from a family that was like, oh, let me give you a hug, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm not that kind of person, okay? I, I'm actually not, I, I try not to, exp- I'm very German, I try not to express my emotions very much. But he's not asking you to do that. See, you can you can be the personality that you are, and still care for people. Do you understand that? He, he made you the way you are. And, 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 and with the reality of who you are, you need to look at how are you with other people. And, and, and what you're going to find there is, is that you need some improvement. That's true for all of us. You need some improvement in how you treat people. Well, how do I get to where I need to be to treat them right? Well, here's the next thing you do. You put on Jesus. You embrace that relationship with him. And here's what you're going to see. It ain't going to change overnight. But he will change you. Because why? He transforms you from the inside out. And then you'll be realize I do care for people. You'll wake up one day and you're like, Wow, I'm different. How did that happen? He changed you. He changed you. That's the reality. Look at how you treat others and ask God to direct you to the right place and let Him change you as you embrace that relationship with Him. I pray that will be true in your life and in my life. Let me pray.